How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, Mel King, At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of... The Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's game time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. How about it? Happy Monday. Off and rolling. Not so happy Monday for a lot of Tiger fans out there, but we'll discuss it. We will discuss it. At large, it's February 19, 2024. Welcome into the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman, Gabe Coon. On X at G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer. You just got done hearing him, but he's the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning. On X at C Dunning 99. Connor, what's the word? Hello. How was your weekend? Good? Oh, solid? My weekend was amazing. You, were, was you told me you were gaming a bunch. Oh, I was game in. Mode. Now, Gabe Coon, I wasn't gaming. I was in war, brother. <laughs> really? Hell Divers 2. One of the best games I've ever played in my life. It's hit, it's hitting the streets like, you know what? I mean, it is everybody's loving on that game right now. It it's the bonds that I have made with my brothers in war. <laughs> so, in the idea you protect Super Earth. That's... Correct. You're protecting Super Earth from basically <laughs> Robot the, the bugs from Starship Troopers and then the the T1000s and T800s from Terminator and uh, body parts are flying. And you're defending humanity. Okay. So and that was star much... break, tigers. You just it was a it was a sidebar to your gaming experience. Sidebar, it, it, much better. I'll just say that it's. I had to. I, here's what I'll say. Me being in war was better than watching All Star Weekend or the Tigers this week. <laughs> that's, I'm gonna fair. go. I'm gonna go that way instead of you know. Okay, I hear you. If and I'm honestly, gonna die, I'm gonna do it defending Earth and not honestly, watching that's my fair. teams. That's fair. Um, because. We'll talk about it throughout the show. Obviously, the Tigers were a big flop. That's going to be the big discussion off the top. 106-79, to 79, they lost to SMU. Two straight losses in a row on the road to North Texas, on the road to SMU, um, combining to lose by 37 to both of those teams. And when we talk about at-large hopes, NCAA tournament hopes, they're gone unless you can think they can run the gauntlet in the AAC tournament of four games in four days. But they've lost six games in conference. I don't know how you could even think that's a real possibility, but we'll discuss that. But uh, I think more so than anything, you wanted to like maybe potentially take your mind off the Tigers by watching the All-Star break and all these different things. The All-Star break, to me, was a huge flop. And it's not like I didn't expect it to be a huge flop. Of course I did. Mac McClung is going to win. I mean, he, he plays for the, the Magic's G League team, and he's winning dunk contests. He's won two in a row. 
And you have guys that just don't seem to care about the skills challenge, don't seem to care about the three-point challenge. I guess Sabrina and Steph, that was kind of fun for a moment. But then you get to the game, and it's, what, 211 to 186, the East wins, and by halftime you knew it was over? So, like, I, I just thought it was a complete failure on all parts by the, by the NBA and the All-Star break. Too many bells and whistles, not enough yes. actual fun to watch. Like, uh, but not flashing lights and look at this, and then you realize that the actual like, product it's funny is, though, is empty. It's funny, though, Connor. You, 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 you see some of the things they try to do. And you say, okay, they're trying. You know, it's a made for trying to make it a make for t- made for TV product. That's what they're trying to do. It's not made for TV though. It's not good. It's not good. Everything seemed to fall flat on its face. And uh, this was Friday, Saturday, and and Sunday. Well, and then I do still think I think that the three point competition still has some juice to it. And this weekend, having the WNBA representation there was fantastic. Yes. However. It was completely then, undercut by horrific commentary. Oh, horrific. Awful. And that was also a problem, though, not just in the three-point competition. It happened in the Rising Star Challenge. It happened during the actual All-Star Game, the skills competition. You cannot have veterans come on here and not know who they're talking about and clowning the new players and the new generation of guys I, and expect people to care. It's driving me insane. Old heads, let go of it. I have, Let go of I the damn a, past. It a, is not the 90s or 80s anymore. I don't want to hear about how physical it was when you were playing. It, it doesn't Reggie Miller and Kenny Smith going back and forth talking about the old days. I don't care. I, it's not the old days anymore. I have a bone to pick with Kenny Smith. Man. Drives me I nuts. Use, I, I, I've had him on the show, and I like Kenny. And, and I think he's he's one of He had the, a bad weekend. He's a fine, bright spot on Inside the NBA on TNT. He actually seems to watch the games more than Shaq and Charles. But... He was not on his A game. And there's some people like speculating, was he drinking? Like what was going on? But he said some things during the Sabrina and Steph competition that, that threw me off. Um, I mean, the continued reminiscing of the old days. Hey, Chuck, even on the alternate broadcast last night, I mean, he, he went in on San Francisco and their homeless population. Like, and it, misinformed. It, it, it's, yes, it's just it's like, just, can we just... Just talk about the players on the court, please. And, and Kenny, I think Kenny is, is really good. Yes. He had a really, really bad weekend. There's no way around it. He deserves the criticism he is getting. You hope that he listens to what people are saying and can grow from it. I will also say his comment about UConn after, during the Grizzlies game was absolutely yes. insane, too. It's just, he had a really bad stretch of days. Stop clowning the new age of NBA players. These are the guys that they have. They are extremely talented. There are a lot of issues with the All-Star Weekend right now. It's not all on the players. They don't care about the game. You can talk about their competitive edge and stuff like that, but they are not being set up to care about this game anymore. It has yep. turned into all bells and whistles. That's all it is. It is for Twitter. It is for Instagram. That is what this event has become. I, I likened it to the to the halftime show. We all loved that the Usher halftime show when we were watching on TV and we saw clips of it. It was incredible. The people in the stands, it was terrible. It was terrible from what it looks like. That is what NBA All-Star Weekend has become. If you're actually there, it seems like there is absolutely no substance. There's all these events to go to. The players are being stretched too thin. They don't want to be there. They'd and rather they're not be on making vacation. money doing it. They're making money in the sense of like endorsements and appearance fees <laughs> no, and stuff like that, not, but they're not incentivized to be there other than you get all-star. Or to care about the skills challenge or to care about the dunk contest or to care about the all-star game itself. The, all you get is a little is a little strip of information on NBA, on, on basketballreference.com that says you're a dunk champion, three-point contest champion, NBA all-star. Basketball You've got reference. to make it matter once yes. again. And to do that, 
You're going to have to strip it down and make it about the basketball. Unfortunately, where we are in sports today, that's just not going to happen. It's every single time we talk about something like this, Gabe, what do we always have to say? Well, where's the dollar going? It's all about what the money wants. The money wants it to continue being this way because I guarantee they made a ton of money from this NBA All-Star Weekend. It's the same thing with conference realignment. The fans get screwed because the money is all that matters. And we are seeing it come to fruition once again. Adam Silver can stomp his feet. He can pretend like he was pissed off this weekend. If they made money and they profited, hey, he's going to be happy. Post-game, when he was giving out the trophy, it seemed like he was not very happy with the way the game went. That's but, how it's been the last few years, and nothing's changed. Yep, yep. They need to get back to the Elam ending then. <laughs> like, I did that like was, that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't understand why going away Well, from but that. it's kind of funny, too, and I, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but Adam Silver was, like, calling a shot. Oh, the guys wanted to go back to East-West format. They wanted to make sure that they had the full, you know, uh, you know, 48 minutes. They wanted to make sure that they could play a regular game. And it's, oh, oh it's going to be more competitive. It was the least competitive All-Star game of all time. Least. Not even close. A team scored 211 points. Yeah, and then the other team that was down by 20 for most of the game didn't care to come back or make it interesting at all. Like, just didn't even try. I love Jokic, and I love Luka. But they were playing hacky sack with basketball <laughs> walking down the court. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> It's it, that's why, like I said with Jeffrey, if you're going to do the Globe Trotters, at least let him be there. Like at least bring in the actual <laughs> well, Globe Trotters. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get back into the All Star break as the show goes along. I'll try to at the at, at, well, Connor and I will try to at some point during the Blitz come up with ideas to make it better. This has become no one, no one stinks though. This exact question: What can we do to make the All Star break better in the NBA? Which at, at one point it was my favorite All Star break, and then Major League Baseball. And then, of course, you know, pro football, NFL, not very fun. Um, what can we do to make it better? That's a yearly conversation. That, that should tell you about the state of the game and the state of all-star break, of the all-star break in, in, in the NBA. But we'll get back to that in just a moment. As far as guests are concerned, we'll talk plenty of this with, with Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock, Daily Memphian and Jeff Calkins show. And then it's a Daily Memphian takeover because at 6 o'clock, what we're going to open on, which is the Tigers and Penny Hardaway and everything that was said after the game, after a 106-79 beatdown on the road in Moody. Um, we're going to bring on Parth Upadhyay um, from the Daily Memphian. He covers Tiger basketball for them. And I know he has a lot to say, and he has some receipts from earlier in the year where people were going after him. I mean, this was something that I, th- I think for the most part he saw coming. He didn't want to believe, just like most of us don't, didn't want to believe that, that it was coming. It came, and he is uh, – He's been all over it the entire time. So we're, uh, we're going to talk to him at 6 o'clock. Um, and then, of course, we'll get out of the show. We'll get out um, and get ready for a Tuesday show at about 6.50 as the rewind will be upon us. But Tiger basketball, 18-8, and 7-6 and six in conference. They're now tied for 7th. And uh, they lost to SMU 106-79. to 79. It ends a week that was just painstaking and ugly. Um, they lost by 10 to North Texas. On Thursday, they lose by 27 on the road to SMU on Sunday. And I, I guess my first truth about that SMU game is, yeah, we can, we can always come back to Penny Hardaway. He's the guy who needs to oversee the players giving a damn. He needs to oversee what is going wrong, what is going right with his program when it's going right. He needs to be able to... Uh, put his finger on something on the pulse of this team and and make the switches. So you always give him fault. But I think more so than anything, what we saw yesterday was a team and a collection of players who didn't give a damn, who completely 
quit, let go of the rope, whatever you want to term it as. They stopped caring. They gave up on the season. Was it out there for them to take? Could they have um, played themselves back into an at-large bid? That was up for debate. But I thought that, yes, if they would have won that game, won every game down the stretch of the season, ended 25-7, and seven, sure, you could have played the, yourselves back in. Your back was against the wall. You knew you had to go win that game, and they gave their worst effort of the season. It was a team that completely imploded in front of our eyes. I'll be honest, I stopped watching at about the 15-minute mark in the second half because I knew it was over. It was a complete meltdown, complete meltdown, and that has been what it has felt like watching this team since they were ranked in the top 10. Since that moment, it has felt like we have slowly been moving toward this ending. Um, you talked about how Parth, to his credit, was pointing, and, and I will say many others were pointing yes, out plenty. things, and they got crushed by people. It was almost like, don't look up, Memphis Tigers edition. Yes. Yep. Like, the scientists were like, hey, there's an asteroid coming. And all of us were like, hey, look at the non Shout out Jennifer Lawrence and Leo DiCaprio <laughs> on that one. There movie's you go. Not, movie's not very good. But, you know, that's kind of what it felt like, is there were a few warning signs that because they were winning, you, ignored. you wanted to ignore. You wanted to ignore. You knew they were there, but you wanted to ignore them. And when Caleb Mills went down, it was just such a bigger deal than all of us expected. You knew he was your defensive leader. He, you knew he was your best perimeter defender. You know, you knew he was his, the most vocal guy and, and the leader of that team, considering how he wanted to go to the bench, make that unit look better. And it was like he was holding it together. And when his knee got injured and then they lost a few games, everything just fell apart. And they haven't been able to put it back together. There were moments where it looked like it might be fixed. But then one little hint of adversity in this team crumbled. And that is what was so weird because in the first half of the season, they were, they were bending but not breaking. They were able to hold strong in those games. But for some reason, when they got to the conference, which is the weirdest part of this entire thing, when they got to the conference schedule, Against worse teams. they relaxed. And it was like the pressure... It's like once once they relaxed and they, they thought the pressure was off of them, they couldn't handle it coming back. It's like they couldn't flip back into that desperation mode and flip back into that bring-your-own-energy mode. They were able to do it a few times against lesser competition, and they were getting away with it. But when a team like SMU shows up, and they're like, hey, we may not be as talented as you, but we play as a team, we're better coached, and we're ready to punch you in the mouth, they weren't able to handle it. They weren't able to handle it. And no. I think Jeffrey said it well. This team, and you've said it too, they just don't have any dogs, and you kind of need that right I now. keep coming back to this, though, because you, uh, the Caleb Mills injury clearly was huge. It's clearly huge. It shouldn't cause this, but though. But the problem I keep coming back to, and this has to, it's a, I, I have to term this as a Penny Hardaway problem, should one guy really make that big of a difference? No, absolutely not. Caleb Mills was your was your dog on the defensive end. He was the guy who bought into everything Penny Hardaway wants to set out there as culture on the defensive end. He's going to buy into your defensive schemes. He's going to bring guys along. He's going to communicate. As soon as he went out, completely gone, lost on everybody. David Jones doesn't bring that effort on the defensive end. Javon Quinterly certainly doesn't do that. Jaquan Walton doesn't. Um, Nick Jordan hasn't for, for quite some time now at this point. Malcolm Dangerous is one of the guys, uh, really, in my opinion, one of the only guys that has done it consistently. Um, but then you get to the bench, and no one really brings that energy on the defensive end. And, it, it, again, it goes back to my conversation, the conversation we had on Friday. 
I, I think Penny Hardaway has taken this team that I would term when it was put together, a lot of these guys were high-octane offensive guys. Mm-hmm. Scoring up above 10 points per game, taking a lot of field goal attempts. Whether you, I mean, whether it was Jaquan Walton, who scored 14 points a game, 40% from three at Wichita State. Javon Quinterly, who was up above, he was a 10-point-per-game scorer, took a lot of uh, shots from the field. Um, David Jones was a guy who did not score with this level of efficiency. I still think he's been solid. But the fact that he had 33 points, 12 for 22 from the field, 4 for 9 from 3, and you lost by 27 is absolutely ridiculous. But a lot of these guys were high-octane offensive guys, and Penny still tried to put together this defensive culture that he's always gone with. And at some point you have to realize that your style, the culture you're trying to put together, the way you're trying to make these guys win games is not how this particular team is built to win games. And that's why you're dropping so many and getting your ass kicked on the road by SMU. Yeah, and weirdly enough, that thought process is giving Penny a ton of credit because we saw who he was bringing in and we said, okay, we know Penny Hardaway teams start with defense. Yes. So they're going to be good there. We just that You feel like that's a given. What we have discovered is this this group of guys just do not have the ability to run a Penny Hardaway defense. And that's the player's fault. That's the player's fault. Now, what's Penny's fault is he hasn't adjusted that. Yes. And he is still trying to force this group of guys into his schemes, which we've said it over and over and over again, square, circle. It's not going to fit. It's just not going to fit. There's, They're not going to be able to run it. And it is causing them to get into these huge holes and then Penny gets frustrated by their play on defense and starts subbing like it's a church league basketball game. Right. He gets, you cannot go with a new panics. starting lineup and then within 70 seconds make substitutions. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. And you're not setting up the players for success. This is on the players. It's also on Penny. We've talked about the pie chart of blame this year. Right In the SMU game, it feels 50-50 to me. The players didn't show up. Penny was not, did not have them set up for success. And within five minutes of the game, you knew it was over. It was over within five minutes. And this Memphis Tigers basketball season is just, it's going to go down as, unless they make some miraculous run, four wins in four days, which I don't think any of us expect right now, it's a disaster. It's a huge disappointment. And I think that we are going to take lessons from this year with the new era of the transfer portal. Because you talked about how, we've been talking about all year, this team doesn't play team basketball together. And when you really think about it, This is a collection of guys who were the guy or one of the two guys on their teams. However, those weren't very successful basketball teams. So you have these high-octane players coming in, high-usage rate guys coming in, who are used to having to do it by themselves, all with themselves. And that's what you're seeing. 19 turnovers, 9 assists. Yep. 19 turnovers, 9 assists. Five of them from your starting point guard. Yep. Can't happen. Stylistically, there's two things that Penny Hardaway, there's two options for Penny Hardaway if he finds himself in this type of position. He can say, okay, scrap this season, let's move into next season. Let me actually find guys that fit the roles that I want them to fit. Let me find guys who are defensive dogs, who are going to buy into the team concept, similar to almost what we saw last year. I never thought we'd be in a position where I'm talking about Keontae Kennedy and Elijah McCadding wanting those guys over a guy like Jaquan Walton who was one of the, the bigger gets in the transfer portal this offseason. But find guys like that that are going to buy in, that you can mold, that you can shape to be the defensive dogs that you want. Or if you find yourself in this position, you have to shift 
and find a way to exploit other teams using the high-octane offense that you have at your disposal. You have to make a switch. You can't consistently lean on a defensive identity. You have to make sure that you can mold and shape yourself as a coach right. going forward. Those are the two options that, that we look at right this second. And I think this offseason he's going to probably uh, not be dealing with the same amount of uh, of you know resources at his disposal. I can't imagine that the donors are very happy about the way these things have played out with the amount of money that was probably put out there for Javon Quinterly and David Jones and Naquan Tomlin and all these different names. Um, he's going to have to go into this offseason and play a little bit of money ball and find guys that are moldable and shapeable to what he wants to do on the defensive end. This year was a complete failure in that regard. Yes. There's also far too much drama surrounding these yes, teams. Yes, always. Always. The Mikey Williams stuff, the Jordan Brown stuff. Y'all can pretend like that doesn't matter. It's absolutely yeah, a distraction. It it's absolutely a, distra- a distraction. They were 10-0 without Jordan Brown. Yep. When he came back, we know the player, not all the players wanted him back. We know that for a fact. Yes. We know that because they've told us. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash... 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. And this was a Penny Hardaway decision. So hey, why are we back. pretending like that didn't matter with team chemistry? Yep. It absolutely did. We all saw Malco's Instagram post. It absolutely mattered. There's far too much drama around these teams. It's got to be about the basketball. And You've got to make this stuff about the basketball again. And you can do that. We've seen Penny do it before. That's why, also, we need to – the fire Penny crowd, relax. Right. This is a really – this is a bad season. It has gone It has gone from great to bad. It is not time to fire Penny. He has had a lot of success in the past. He had success. Still has a good season. record in the regular season. Things got all broken, but, and then they uh, but, shattered. But 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 Connor, I mean, let's 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 be completely honest about the situation. And and Jeff Calkins always says Joe Smith. If this was Joe Smith, if we're talking about about a guy in six years who made two NCAA tournaments, uh, both as an eight nine seed, and then only won one game. It's not be, Joe it, Smith. I know though. it's. I know it's not. I understand that. But like, I I get where people are angry with the way things have gone. You recruit these high guys, you recruit these these big recruits, whether it's transfer portal or high school recruits, and you have these high expectations, and the thought process behind all of it is, okay, let's get back to the second weekend. Let's get to the Sweet 16. Let's get to heights we haven't reached since Cal has, uh, is, is left. Because here's the truth of it. Since Cal has left, there's only been three wins in the NCAA tournament, and that's two by Josh Pastner. One, one was Boise State with Penny Hardaway. So, like, at some point, I think I understand where people are like, damn, yeah, we have these expectations. You're recruiting at a higher level, but you're underperforming every single year. When, when, when push comes to shove, oh, when you get angry, besides that. last year, besides last year, you have underperformed five of six years. 
I'm not sure I agree with that. I'm not sure I agree with that. He's he's. I'm not sure I agree with he's he's underperformed every single year. I think these this teams year, have underperformed this five year, or six years, in my opinion. I don't. Okay, but we've got to add context to those years. <laughs> he was climbing back from Tubby's era. We've let's be honest about it. Tubby cratered this program. Okay, let's uh, yeah. Penny came back, got you the NIT. You won it. That was great. All right. Then you have a conference championship. You won a game in the in the NCAA tournament. You became a program that was getting back to the NCAA tournament consistently, and it all fell apart this year. Yeah. It was building, 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 and it fell apart this year after it looked like it was continued going in I'm that direction. Not, listen, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not team fire penny. I, that's not where I'm at. This team has absolutely underperformed. We can do that. This season, we can talk about this season's been a disaster, and a lot of it's on penny. A lot of it's on penny. Year two, bringing in all the guys from East. I know that the James Wiseman thing spiraled out of control, and that's context. But the expectation uh, at the beginning of the season is easy tournament team. Number one recruiting class, let's make it happen. Year three was not able to get over the hump with guys with more expectations. Year four, you started off miserably after bringing in Jalen Duran and Omani Bates in the offseason, guys that were at the top of their recruiting classes, and you're like, okay, damn, there's a real, okay, this is the year. Let's go make it happen. They struggled, 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 and had to win down the stretch of the season. They were, what, 9-8 and eight after that SMU game. Then they had to win out to even have a chance to get in the tournament. They got in, they won a game. Sure, that's cool and all, but based on the expectations at the beginning of that season, that was not what you expected that team to have to go through to get to where they were at the end of it. And then last year, I'll give them credit. Start to finish, most complete year, uh, maybe a little bit less talent, but most complete year, brought in a bunch of transfer portal guys, Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams at the top. That's the year I'm not going to say he underperformed. But then this year, all these transfer portal guys, guys in the top ten of transfer portal rankings, uh, uh, decent freshmen. If you really want to go into that, no. I know that the Mikey Williams no. thing, but, but I mean, you, you, you thought Carl Sharon Font could be a guy. Uh, I mean, Who JJ did? Taylor and Carl Sharon Font were picked to be freshman uh, newcomers of the year. You, you could say that that's wrong, but at the same time, there was expectations placed on those guys. You bring in Javon Quinterly, who's been around the block a million times. You bring in David Jones who was a solid scorer at St. John's, who's been really good with this team. You bring in Jaquan Walton, who was a 14-point per game. You bring in all these different guys who are wanted all around the country using your NIL resources and everything else, and you're probably not going to make the tournament unless you go four, four games in four days. Yeah. This was an underachieving year. And I think besides last year, everything I've laid out, it's been underachieving. I just, I just don't agree with that. Okay. I, I don't. This year has been a disaster. It's, under, it's underperforming this year. The past few seasons, I, I'm not sure I agree with it. They've been on the steady climb. It, it's been drama-filled. That's the biggest problem. You talk about him on, that's a huge It's Every single year, there's drama with this team. That's the biggest issue. Every single year, we have to talk about Penny's rotations. I'm tired. It, that yes, is the issue. That's fair. Penny's a good coach. He's not a great one. He's yeah. got to be great. Yes. And it's time to do that. Yes. It's time to stop time playing to games that. with these rotations. Now, stop picking favorites with these players. Play your damn guys. Here's here's an interesting conversation I want to get into. And it's, to me, I think Penny Hardaway feels as if he's a decent team builder. And what he's done on the portal, and what he's done in recruiting, he's built teams on paper where you're like, oh my gosh, they could really make something happen. Whether it was a number right. one recruiting class or this recruiting class out of the transfer portal he had this year. So he thinks he's a team builder. And I, listen, I'm not going to dispute that. I'm not going to go crazy. What I have noticed, and it's frustrating is as far as program building, mm-hmm. we're at a low point. Because none of these guys understand the culture of the city of Memphis. None of these guys seem to latch on to the 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 type of, you know, 
thought process that makes you successful and make endears yourself to the fans in the city of Memphis. And going forward, you're going to be dealing with a blank slate going into next offseason. You only have the, I mean, Nick Jordan has an extra year. David Jones, if he wants to come back, has an extra year. But then outside of that, there's going to be no Javon Quinterly, no Jaquan Walton, no De- Malcolm Dandridge. Uh, Ashton Hardaway, Jonathan Pierre, and, and uh, uh, Carl Sharon Font can return. But you're going to be dealing with another blank slate. And I think the most successful teams in college basketball will have holdovers consistently. And this go- brings me back. And I was, I was, you know, hesitant to really, you know, deny or doubt what Penny Hardaway brought in because I thought continuity was overrated, but continuity means something. Yeah, that, and that's where yeah. that's where I'm talking about a program builder. He we're we're noticing this year that even a guy that went to the University of Memphis, that understands Memphis, that is a son of the city, he's not building this program in the face of Memphis. He's not building it out over a steady uh, over over time to make it steady, to make it work consistently year after year that's frustrating that's a frustrating reality of where we're at with penny hardaway and why i am not i am not completely telling everybody who's in fire penny hardaway mode right this second that their frustrations are for naught yes we all thought that was the answer too though so that's where i get i think that there needs to be some pause right that's fair we all learned a big lesson about the transfer Porta era this year. Last year, that team, although not as talented, gave a damn every single night. It yep. was a combination of guys that you brought in through the portal and guys you've had here for a very long time that understood the city of Memphis, understood what the University of Memphis basketball program meant to the city, and understood what is, what is needed to be successful in a Penny Hardaway program. You've absolutely nailed it, though. This team, it feels like there's no foundation to them. No. There's no No identity identity to them. I think the lesson that we may be learning is it needs to be a combination of the portal and and guys that have been here. Whether it's recruits that grew up in Memphis, even if they're not Memphis kids, that's fine. You've just got to have some continuity with these teams. It doesn't have to look the same because, like, Kendrick Davis was at SMU for, what, right. three years before he got to the University of Memphis, but he had played Memphis, he was familiar with Penny Hardaway, and he understood Penny Hardaway, and there was a relationship built there. I don't know if the same relationship was built up between Javon Quinterly, David Jones, and Penny Hardaway, well, like 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 the Deon, like DeAndre Williams exactly. and, and Kendrick Davis and the relationship they had. Like, we're seeing that. Yeah, you had you had the best of both. You had DeAndre Williams, who understood this program through and through. He understood the city. He cared. He was your vocal leader, and he was your leader on the court. You had Kendrick Davis, who could also do that. He also was just damn good, and he could hoop. And he was like the mercenary that you brought in for a year, and you said, hey, man, let's make this thing work. Yes. And if not for a missed timeout call, we might be talking about that team differently. But that team still had a lot of success, and we've got a lot of love for that team. Because we recognize that they may not be as talented, but their effort is what got them over the hump in a lot of situations. This team's like the exact opposite. This team's uber talented, but that effort's not there. And we don't see them caring a lot, and we see those shoulders go down every time they get adversity, and we see the same thing from Penny. There is no foundation of culture with this team right now, and that's a big issue. That deserves criticism. All I'm saying is that 
we can criticize without calling for people's jobs. Yes, yes. Let's just say that's fair. This team and Penny in the program deserve all the criticism it's getting. We just got to pump the brakes for just a moment. Just a moment, pump the brakes. This isn't Joe Smith. It is Penny Hardaway. Yes. And we made this mistake with Larry Finch in the past. Let's yep. just pump the brakes. Let's talk about it truthfully without having to call for somebody's job. So That's what I think we, we should be able to do. I took calls, what was it, th- two, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks about ago? About two and a half weeks about ago. About the Grizzlies and the Tigers and if you're having fun, like who are you latching on to more? And the Grizzlies obviously not very good and they have nothing to play for. The Tigers at that moment had plenty to play for, but every game was so painstaking. You had to take uh, damn blood pressure medication yeah. and heart pills every single time they went out. And there was one caller, and I forget his name, but he came in and he said, you know, I can latch on to the Grizzlies because they have holdovers and they have guys who latch on to the city. They have guys that understand what's expected of them in this city and they seem to like the city of Memphis. For this Memphis team this year, I don't know if there's that same level of buy-in from the fans that there was with like Kendrick Davis and Lester Quinones and uh, DeAndre Williams. You don't have guys like that. Mm-hmm. And that makes it so much less fun. Like, who who are the guys on this team that we'll be remembering in, in a couple of years? David Jones was great, but it didn't affect winning the way you wanted it to. Malco. Malco? But that's, that's not I, even close to the same level of Lester Quinones and, no, and, and, and Kendrick and DeAndre. But, yes, I agree with you. That's the one name I can come one. up with. Yeah. But, like, a lot of these guys, the fan base is just so turned off by at this point because of the way things have gone, the letting go of the rope that we saw last night or yesterday. At 3 p.m. Like that, that is, I, I didn't quite ignore it in the moment, but I didn't really latch on to the idea until I saw it really come to life at this point in the season where you have nothing really to play for at this point. And I think most fans are just wondering, like, who who am I? And when I'm tuning in to watch a Tigers game, who am I tuning in to watch? Who right. am I? Who do I really feel has the University of Memphis on their chest and they're taking pride in that Memphis across the chest and not the one on the back? Yes, everybody, we talked about it even two weeks, yeah, when we took those calls. Um, that caller had a great point, uh, and it's really come to fruition since. It truly has. Everybody within this program has got to look at themselves in the mirror and say, we got to restart this thing. We gotta, it's, it's, it's not far gone, and the good news about the transfer portal is you can, you can kind of reset the you cards. Can. You can. You, you can. can. And, but you have to do it with the right guys. You got to do it with the right guys, and you've got to be willing to admit when you're wrong. Yeah, And unfortunately, I don't think Penny wants to do that right now. And what's not going to help the players' efforts is throwing them under the bus every single game. What's also not going to help is telling the fan base you're going to do one thing and then immediately going against it while we're watching the game and then after the game telling us that we didn't see what we saw. Yeah, One thing that I have noticed within the fan base is not only are they frustrated with, with the players' energy – the Penny post-game stuff, it's getting quite ridiculous now. Oh, and I, it is time. We haven't even gotten to the quotes. It's just, what are we doing? We're watching the games, Penny. We see them. I love you, dude. I love you. But we're watching the games. Don't tell us you're going to find your seven or eight guys and then play everybody yeah. with a heartbeat that's on the bench. Yeah. You would have played your assistant coaches if you were allowed to. <laughs> 70 seconds. Isn't that how long it was before you made yep. a substitution? Yep. yep. It's not church league. It's NCAA Division I well, basketball. I think 75. It was a minute 15 <laughs> into the game. So give him, there you go. Give him, give him, those give five him an extra five. <laughs> yeah, give him hey, five hey, hey sometimes up. it matters. Yes. Sometimes that extra five matters. You know yes. what I'm saying, Gabe? Yeah, Gabe. I hear you. <laughs> it's, That's you a know. lot, five. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, 
I, 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 I'm there. I'm there with you. And, like, the post game yesterday was as bad as it's gotten all year. It's as bad as it's gotten all year. Um, Penny said, you know, effing losing like this. This is terrible, man. This is not competing at all. I don't know what's going on, but it's not competing. That, to me, when you're saying I don't know what's going on and I don't have a fix. You're the coach, dude. What, I mean, I, I can't help but just grunt at that. What is that? You're, you, admitting something like that is scary. That's scary. And then he went on and he said, uh, that was a BS game, man. It's frustrating, very frustrating. Um, they were talking about guys quitting. Penny sort of rejected that idea. But then David Jones, after the game, said, I just want guys to follow me. I'm not with the talking. And then he went on to say, yeah, there's some guys that don't really care about winning or losing, and maybe there are guys on this roster that have quit. That was David Jones saying that, not Penny Hardaway. I mean, the quotes after the game and just the consistency with which they keep coming out after these losses, that's been the most frustrating reality of the, situ- of the entire year. And, like, and, and there's been a constant thought process from Penny Hardaway of, oh, you know, I have the plan out there. They're just not executing. No. At some point, you have to... Maybe the plan's flawed. At some point, you have to admit that that plan's flawed, and that goes back to your point of admitting your wrongs, and I don't know if we've seen that yet. Yeah, because if you're a player, I know they didn't show up yesterday, and you could argue they haven't showed up for a month. I'd be fine with that. Everybody kind of deserves blame in this situation, but they're also just not being set up for success. And that little win streak that they had, it's because they were playing seven or eight guys, nine guys, the only time another guy would get in because of foul trouble. That More makes assists than turnovers. More assists than turnovers. The two guys, David Jones and Javon Quinterly, playing their best ball and then the subs being limited. Yeah, you weren't getting yanked as soon as you made a mistake. I don't understand why after that win streak happened, he changed well, the defense you, well, again. you know what? You, you, and he went back. It's, well, it's, well, well, let's it's be confirmation honest. bias. Let's be honest, though, Connor. We had the thought process after that Tulane game of, okay, yeah, he's got his seven or eight or nine guys that he's going to run out there. He's going to have a better plan. But then when everything sort of hit the fan in the beginning of that uh, North Texas game, and it was 18-4, to four, everything reverted back. Yep. You pay, he seems to have these moments of panic. And I'm not saying he shouldn't panic. 18-4 to four is a hell of a deficit. Don't get into it. <laughs> Especially when they're like, shooting tough. like Steph Curry. Yes, Every and they won't like, miss a three. Like, I get where you panic, but you too. have to try to limit that panic because it does not yield the results that you're thinking it's going to yield. Right. These guys that you're throwing in there uh, you know, that have played zero minutes on the floor together, a five that has played zero minutes on the floor together, that's not going to yield results that you want. And, of course, it leads to a 10-0 run for North Texas. But, like, we've noticed, yeah, he'll say these things after these wins, and you feel like you want to believe it, but then when it's 18-4 to in the first five minutes against North Texas, that's not the truth anymore. Those words mean nothing. It's just, it's felt like we've been watching, like, a slow-motion car crash, like, the last month or so, and we've been trying to... You've been hoping that car can swerve out of the way. We've been, don't look up it. It's going left. (laughs) Yes. It's not going to yeah. hit. <laughs> no, but you've been watching this slow-motion car crash, and you're just hoping yeah. that they can pull that wheel to the right and get out of the way real quick. Right. And that's why, you know, the conversation I was having, I'm going to kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth here, but hey, we're in radio, so it's what we do. Um, <laughs> that's why, like, I want to pump the brakes this year about Penny's job. However, if the drama continues like this year after you year... You can't act like that seat and the will ro- not get warm. Exactly. And you that's why like I... I am under the. I think the seat might be warming. I still think that we're a little far away from think, that real conversation. But next year, 
Because let's be honest, this year's gone. It, it feel like unless they go some miraculous four for four, which would be awesome, just feels extremely unlikely but at how, this point. How much? I, like, but but if, I, can if I next ask you? Year this? Looks like this again. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Let's say they just for the sake of conversation, they go four for four. Four for four. Win the AAC they tournament, make it? it an auto bid. How much does that make you feel different about the Penny Hardaway and this team's experience this year? How much does it change what we've seen? It's still disappointing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go into next year and think that, oh, they won 4 for 4 They've completely turned the corner, even though it's going to be a brand new team. Extremely and he's going to have fair. to get across to the. It's not going to change how I feel. Extremely fair. Right? And I, I think a lot of these people, and again, I'm not here. I think it's kind of ridiculous at this particular moment to say fire Penny Hardaway. I, and first, like, you know, I, I don't want to see that. I think that is just, it's not a fun reality to think about. No, it's the darkest timeline. But I think, <laughs> it's the worst. I think where those people are at is it's been six years. I feel like I understand the Penny Hardaway experience at this point. You're saying there. I think I understand. I think I've seen enough. To understand what Penny Hardaway is as a coach, basically, saying- I'm not quite there because again, this is six years in. He has to learn. He's been learning on the job, and that's part of the reasons we've seen these. Most of the reason we've seen these issues pop up year after year. But I mean, at some point, you have to run out of time with learning on the job, and and I think that at some point, the book is going to be written on Penny Hardaway, the Memphis basketball coach. And is this the peak? Is this what it is? And I think there's a lot of people six years in that can rightly feel that way. I don't disagree with that at all. I think that that I think that was a great point you just made. It's the reason this year feels so like I don't know what to make of it in the bigger picture is it is such a it's the first shot at this transfer portal thing and it just didn't work. Yeah. It, it appeared like it was working at first. Second shot, but more talent, more moving parts than, yeah. than it was so a year ago. That's why next year Next season, this offseason, does feel like Huge. it is going to tell everything we need to know. Because I don't disagree. The, unfortunate, the, the, the tough part about talking about Penny in Memphis <laughs> is yeah. he's Penny. Yes. It's, it's really hard yeah, to talk course. about it. Of and course. we know the history of what happened with Larry Finch. And people are so scared to repeat that. And I understand that. I can tell you, I have stories of my grandfather covering Larry Finch. It was hard for him to do it because he was so close to Larry. They became friends, and it was difficult. You don't want that to happen with Penny. You don't want it to be a bad ending here. So we're all holding out hope that the changes and the tweaks we have seen him do over the last— it has been six years of drama, rotation, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, he's been, he has won games, conference championship. You got back to the NCAA tournament. You got to win NIT championship. Those things may not be the peak of what we think Memphis Tigers basketball should be, and I think that that's fair. We've yeah. seen them at the top of the mountain. Yeah. We know that this basketball program can do that. We've seen it happen before, and it can happen again. Everybody's got faith that that can happen again. You just have to start asking yourself, are the small changes that Penny has made over the last few years and the small improvements, is, going is it going to happen point? quick enough to get you back there? And does this season... Is it a red flag enough to where you say, uh-oh, those small improvements and changes he's been making, he reverted back completely this year? And do you have to start from square one? Or do you start and- where you were last year? It's just, 
I don't know where this program goes for here. And I think that's that's the tough part. Jeff's talked about it. Mark wrote about A lot of people have been talking about it. John wrote about it. You've been talking about it. Parth, I know he's going to talk about it later. What's, what's the out? Where do you go from here? Listen, what's clear to me and what will always be clear to me is Penny wants to do right by the city and get this team to the second weekend and make some runs in the NCAA tournament. I, no one ever doubts his want to, right. to get that done. But can it get done? Will it get done? This is a results business in the end of the day. And the results of this year are very telling of the last six years. There's drama involved. There's a lot of guys that are not pulling in the same direction. The program seems to be on shaky ground because this offseason you're going to have to completely rebuild this roster. I don't doubt Penny Hardaway wants the best. Like, that's never been the doubt. But can he get it done? Will it get done is the question that will continue to be asked. Absolutely. And And in the end of the day, it's about results, and the results were not there. Yep. And I think you also have to start asking, like, all the attention the University of Memphis has gotten lately, and it's just it feels like the priorities for this program right now aren't – it's not – winning basketball games. Sometimes it feels like getting guys to the league, making relationships with players, things like that. That's all great. It helps you get guys here. TV games are awesome. Non-con schedule's fun. But at the end of the day... It's about results. It's about winning basketball games. And I think it's fair to say that the priority of this program, I'm not sure, has been winning basketball games this season. And you could argue maybe in the past. I, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting, and it's 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 a there's a this is a pivotal moment. Yeah, for Penny Hardaway at the University of Memphis for this program at large. I obviously think he'll be coaching this this team going into next year, but this offseason is going to be very telling, and we'll see what happens along the way. But let's go ahead and grab a break on that note, and we'll come back and talk about the uh, the the All Star break that was. The All Star game was terrible. Dunk contest, not very fun. Three-point contest was okay, but Steph and, Steph and uh, uh, Sabrina took that over. So we'll talk about all the missteps that the uh, NBA had this weekend with the All-Star break next, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coombs Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. We already covered Tigers. We're going to get back to it here in a minute with Jeff Calkins um, as they, of course, lost 106-79 to to SMU, completely decimating and killing their at-large hopes of the NCAA tournament. Now they're going to have to run four games in four days as they get into the AAC tournament. But also this weekend we did have the All-Star break Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, there's a lot of things on TV and on TNT that you were able to watch. You even had an alternate broadcast with Charles Barkley and all the guys during the All-Star game itself. Here's my truth of it, and I'm not going to act as if I had high hopes for it going into this weekend because I've seen where this All-Star break has headed. At one point, it was my favorite All-Star break. It went NBA, Major League Baseball, and then any you know NHL, um, NFL, all under that. But it has fallen off to the point where I think it's on almost uh, at the same level of, of the NFL's All-Star break or Pro Bowl, whatever you want to call it. It was embarrassing this weekend, and I don't know how to put it any other way. Um, we opened on Friday 
with uh, you know the rising stars and the celebrity game. No one really has high hopes for the, uh, the All Star Friday, but that, you know, in the end of the day, you know the four different teams they have for rising stars just is a why? little much. Just play a damn game, yeah. Just play a damn game. I mean, we we see it every year. The Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and uh, who was the other guy? Dion Waiters back and forth in the old version of the Rising Stars game. That type of thing is fun where you're subbing like a normal all-star game. I think we need to revert back to that. I think that's an easy fix. But the four separate teams playing an elimination tournament, a little much. Um, we got to Saturday night, and uh, that's where you usually see a lot of the fireworks, uh, where, where you've seen fireworks in the past with the three-point contest and the skills competition, of course, the dunk contest. Let's start with the skills competition. No one gave a damn. No one cared. You had the hometown versus the high picks, and no one cared at all. You had Scotty Barnes completely screwing up the the you know skills challenge in general, losing the losing the ball, losing his handle, going around the cones, if you will. Who put Scotty in the skills competition? Um, and Who then did that and then him? by the end, when they're doing the half court shots, he's throwing them behind his head. They just don't have any care. Anthony Edwards is shooting left handed. That's not fun in itself. You got to the three-point contest. Obviously, I think that's the highlight of the night because you ended up having Steph and Sabrina. Steph Curry ends up getting over top of Sabrina in Eskew, but that was probably the moment that everybody tuned into. Um, and then finally, you had the dunk contest, and it's been trending this way for a long, long time. Um, you finally had an all-star in it, and that was Jalen Brown. First All-Star since 2016 or 2017 that has been a part of the dunk contest. Mac McClung still got over top. But watching some of these dunks and the lack of care and the lack of thought process behind them is a little much. I do like the odes that, you know, Jaime Jaquez put uh, for Mexico. Um, I do like the ode to, uh, to Terrence Clark. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago and Jalen Brown was friends with Terrence Clark. He put on his, uh, his jersey and did a dunk. I like those types of things. But the actual dunks themselves, the entertainment value of the dunk contest is completely diminished. And I think the entire entertainment value of the entire weekend is completely diminished based on what we've seen. I don't know what the fixes are. We'll talk about the fixes later. But then even to add insult to injury, Connor, this is we, we've sort of made mention of this. But the announcers or the analysts wanting to do their thing and failing miserably. During the Sabrina and Steph competition, Kenny Smith what the hell was that? What in God's name was that? He talked about putting her at a uh, at, at the uh, uh, the women's three point line because there's a there's a reason they have women's tees and men's tees. Even though she got 26, which would have been uh, would have gotten her through in the normal competition, she said, "Oh, use the women's ball." He said, "Use the women's ball and move up." Um, Reggie Miller tried to add a joke in there. It's not open mic. He wanted to play with dolls. It's like, guys, what in the world is going on? And then last night during the All-Star game, if you watched the alternate broadcast with Charles Barkley, he decided to go off on the city of San Francisco, and he made a San Francisco comment about homeless, the homeless people, and called them homeless crooks. It just was so miserable all the way through on every single different category you could have put in there. The announcers and analysts failed miserably. The players and the care they put toward every event was not there. I I was just disappointed, and it's the most disappointed I've ever been in the All-Star break in the NBA, and that's saying something because it's been trending this way for quite some time. Absolutely, and uh, I do want to give a shout-out real quick to Ryan Speaks 140. He listens a lot, sends in a lot of very thoughtful things, and he sent one in 
about this topic when we were talking about it in the opening segment. And basically his point was, you know, the NBA All-Star Weekend, it's an opportunity for the NBA to get eyeballs on their sport and to bring people in after the football season. They have it to themselves. And it seemed like this All-Star break in general, it wasn't about promoting the game now. It was you had all of these veterans on broadcast clowning the current players, the current games, the competitiveness. You had the actual all-star events not actually be about the events, but everything around it, all about the money, all about the flashing lights. Look at this court. Look, 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 look. The reason people like to watch football is because it's football. People like to watch basketball because it's basketball. Make it about basketball. Make it about the sport. Make it about your players. Hold up your young players. Promote them. I think the Players Association, and to, his, to what Ryan was saying, is the Players Association right now is doing a disservice to the league by allowing these guys to go out there and clown the All-Star Weekend and yeah. not care about it. I understand. Make fun of Listen, it. Almost poke fun of it. Shooting lefty in the skills competition. That's ridiculous. Throwing a half-court shot over Listen, your head and doing it backwards. Scotty Barnes. Well, here's the th- I love Ant. People pay to be it. there to watch you do that. You've got to respect that. I understand, like, I did a whole rant on <laughs> Giannotto and Jeffrey about the All-Star. Because it, was, it, bo- it really bothered me. Because I understand that the players don't have much incentive. They're being stretched too thin. They want to break all these things. And we can have conversations about the season being too long and all of that. But at the end of the day, people still showed up to watch you in that skills competition. And it's just straight-up disrespectful to people to be like, I'm going to shoot left-handed and not care. Even your teammate Wimby was pretty pissed off. Even in these games, you've got to give the fan because the fans are the whole reason you're there. The whole yeah. reason you have an NBA That's the only reason, is because well, of the fans. And well, and the only reason you have an All Star game is to put you guys uh, to promote you guys in front of the fans, right? To I get them in front of. So you. I agree with you. Probably need to incentivize the game. You've got to strip if you want to. I mean, they're not going to fix it. So all of this is for naught. But if you wanted to fix the NBA All Star weekend, you strip it down. You make it about the events. Jeffrey had a great thing. If you were voted into All-Star Weekend... Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry, 
the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.